0: Good morning. Well, wow. I'm really pumped about this message. And I think Satan is pretty hacked off about it. So, uh, we don't want to get any weird stuff happening, but, uh, you'd be praying if you uh, would pray for the message today, because I believe that it's simple in nature, complex in action. And, uh. Obviously, Satan's not very happy about it. So, you uh, you be praying as we share this message, not just for me to share it, but for you uh, to receive it and those who hear. Before we uh, crank up, I want to talk about elder nominations for the next month. We're going to have elder nominations. What's an elder? An elder is plurality of leadership that is shepherding our church our church the fellowship over both campuses in mount julia at two rivers uh six guys praying for uh some as we bring more on and some may become inactive we have inactive elders now in our church and how do you become an elder an elder is something we're going to be talking about after the nominations are over qualifications for an elder are on uh A uh, elder form, an elder nomination form, and they're all at the Welcome Center on your way out today. You can grab one. Uh, There are biblical qualifications for an elder, and it's pretty straightforward. And they're listed on that elder nomination form. I would ask, as an elder, and on behalf of all of our elders, you pray earnestly about someone that you could nominate and would they fill the qualification and fill the role of being a shepherd? One of the most awesome things about our church to me is the plurality. That one or two people don't go to bed at night knowing everything. We have many people who pray and seek God What's coming next in our series, messages and teaching, that we have people that go to the throne and beg God and pray for you, people who are sick and visit, all the things that are pastoral are for an elder. So you be praying for nominating some folks from our congregation from this campus, and uh, Then, fill out the form. You can put it in the offering plate. You can type it on an email and send it to to our uh, elders at the fellowship email address. Or you can uh, drop it by the church office. Any way in the world that you want to give it to someone, uh, just give it and we will make sure it gets you to the right place. This is Us is the series we're in. Today we start our core values. Interesting enough, our core values are simple in nature, but complex in action, as I said earlier. Over the next six weeks, we want to be transparent with you and talk about who we are, who we want to be. God has been so faithful in our church. Over and over again, even this past Easter, many of you that asked me today. By the way, too, thank you for everyone that served last week. We had like 83 people serving in different capacities around the campus. We had 408 here on our campus. We had over 500 at the Two Rivers campus. We had a lot of people make decisions. People that rededicated their life felt welcomed and had many from our community come and visit us. On our campus specifically had 11 families that were new to our congregation. It's exciting. But we want people to come more than just Christmas and Easter. We want people to experience God in a very real way. Here at the fellowship, we want to be all God wants us to be and you to be all you can be. In the kingdom of God. It's a close walk with God. It's an understanding of growing in our faith. We want people to come. And join us in our mission. Of doing whatever it takes. To develop disciples of Jesus Christ. To gather, grow, and go. Let me pause here for a caution. This series is not. About look at us. It's not. It's about this is us. To show you what God has begun here. And Justin mentioned earlier about God's work here in this campus and on the Two Rivers campus. And what God's doing in the Mount Juliet community and other churches. We don't want to be an infomercial. We want to be an open door to experience the God we worship in our local congregation. So with that, several months ago, back in the fall, elders came together. We were joined by one of our teaching pastors, Daniel M., who led us in a conversation, and we got together on a Saturday morning to answer one question. What are the things we value? What are they? And how do we verbalize them? From that discussion... We came up with what we want to present to you in the next several weeks. Six core values. At the core of the fellowship. What is it that we value? Treating everyone as insiders. Being Bible-centered. Life-changing relationships. Strategic multiplication. Plurality in leadership and serving together. Simply put, a way to verbalize those things we value in Scripture. So week one, let's crank up. Treating all as insiders is where, we'll, where we start. We value our church being a safe place to become All you can be. Come to worship. Come to grow in your faith. Learn in God's Word. To be relevant to the community. The dictionary defines insider as someone who is an accepted member of the group. (laughs) What, What does it mean to be accepted? We value people feeling right at home when you come to be any part of our church. If you come to a picnic or a life group or a worship service or a prayer time, anything you come to, you should feel right at home. Every Everyone should. That's something we want to do. That's a value that we have. People getting treated as a member of the family. Picture with me, if, if you will, I, I'm, a, I'm visual. Picture with me here. There's a house. You drive up. This is not visitation, I promise. You drive up, you get out, you walk up to the front door, and as soon as you get onto the porch, you hear laughter, talking, people on the inside. You... Before you knock on the door, you kind of walk over to the to the window and you look in the window and there, there's all these people sitting in the living room and they're laughing and joking and one telling they're, they're telling stories and everybody's attentive and it's noisy. How do you think that makes me feel? If I'm looking in the window at all the fun in there. We don't want anybody to feel that way. No one looks through the window at us. What this value represents is everyone's welcome home. On the inside. In our family. Feeling. Is not a fact. Feelings are what often gets us in trouble. We feel something. Feeling gets us in trouble a lot. In this case right here, we don't want anyone to say, I don't feel that way. It's hard to deal with when somebody says, I don't feel that way. Because our value would be, we don't want people to feel that way. But if you feel that way, don't ever say, oh, you don't feel that way. That's one of our core values. (laughs) What? Wait, it's a fact that it's a core value. It's not a feeling. Does that make sense? We don't want people to feel that way. Oh, you don't feel that way. I I don't feel at home. I don't feel welcome. Don't feel that way. (laughs) No, I already feel that way. Yes, I do. There was, a, there was a storm this week. Kind of in a second picture. There was a storm this week on Monday. Lightning. Man, how many people saw the lightning Monday night? Oh, pouring down rain. If someone's out in the street walking or standing in your yard... Invite them to come out of the rain. Wouldn't you do that? If someone's out there in the lightning and the danger and the all this stuff is happening, the wind's blowing, and you open the door and look out the window, look out the door, and wouldn't you invite them in? Or would you just close the door and go, boy, I don't know what they're doing out there. <laughs> I hope they don't get hurt, you <laughs> know. That person is not going to feel very well if you open the door and close it. Yeah. Uh, don't feel that way. That's a core value we have. I live on the lake. If someone were out in the middle, gasping for air and drowning, could I just pull up a chair and watch? No. If we have Jesus, can we just pull up a chair and watch the world go to hell? No. We have something that we want to give to people in a relevant way. And the best way to do that is invite them in and make them feel at home. Now, it's hard. A new life group is easy to make people feel at home because everybody's in the same boat. A life group that's been going for years, it's hard to make someone feel at home. In a group that's been going on because they don't feel like the insider. It's our job to make them feel that way. How did God display this in Scripture? Now in the Old Testament... There were lots of ways that God did it through His people. Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Esau. Over and over and over. The shepherds, the people that God spoke to, the command they often carried was do this and God will give you favor. In the New Testament, it comes to the place where Jesus gives us grace and we live on this side of grace so because of that it's our responsibility every walking believer in jesus christ it's our responsibility to carry welcome home welcome home we never want to gather and be exclusionary Is that a word we don't want to be exclusive exclusionary where are the teachers in here No, never mind. (laughs) Exclusive. We don't want to be that. We want to be inclusive. But so much of that is about your viewpoint of it, inviting someone in. You take the initiative, not someone else. So now, how does Jesus display the value of treating everyone as insider in Scripture? Scripture. Point number one. Jesus made everyone feel valued. Jesus made everyone feel valued. Luke chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Verse 15 and 17. I'm going to mention lots of scripture here. As Scott and I got together this week, and last week, and the week before, and the week before, for almost a month, we've been talking about our core values, and how do we share them with our our folks? The Bible is so full, it's hard to, like, pull it down to one and three, one to four scriptures, because there's so much of it here, so we've just picked some. To talk about, and you can probably think of many, many others, but this, Luke 18, verse 15 through 17. Follow with me here. People were bringing infants to him so he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. Jesus, however, invited them, let the children come to me and don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Now, apparently, in this situation, the disciples were the bouncers. They were like security detail <laughs> or self-appointed, maybe. And Jesus was in a crowd and apparently people were pushing their way to him and the disciples were pushing them away from Jesus. Jesus steps in and says, Whoa! That was a paraphrase. Whoa! Let them come to me. Let them come to me. Don't stop them. These are to who the kingdom belongs. Placing value on children in this moment teaches us that you don't have to have all the boxes checked to come to Jesus. People don't need special permissions, special invitations, your name on a list before you arrive. You don't need the secret handshake. Everyone has value. It's for everybody. It's the innocence like a child that's referenced here. That you don't have to have it all together. You don't. John chapter 8 verses 3 through 11 says, then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and began writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go and from now on do not sin anymore. One of the questions that I, don't, I have hundreds of them I write them all in front of my Bible, all these questions when I get to heaven, what was he writing on the ground? Theologians think maybe a fish, maybe multiple fish, a Christian symbol of the day. It meant a lot to the culture, but there's nothing referenced here of what he was writing. Maybe he was writing their sin in the ground i don't know but for whatever reason the only person that could have condemned her did not condemn her the only one jesus was the only one of the group that could that's why they were trying to trap him they partially believed but the other part was blasphemy to the teachers of the day Jesus showed amazing love to a very powerful sin. He showed that love is to the sinner, not to the sin. That you can receive the love and walk away. You don't have to live in the eternal sin. Did she feel valued? I believe she did. I believe she did. Now picture in today's world, would you be able to take a stand for someone who was being bullied? Who was being put down? Who was being singled out? Would you be willing to be the only one that stood up for that person? To step in And take a stand. Would that person feel value if you did? Jesus gave value to her, but he still asked her to turn from her sin, to make a U turn, to repent from her sin and not sin anymore. Please go and feel valued. Point number two, Jesus broke the rules to show love. He broke the rules to show love. It doesn't matter what you wear. doesn't matter how you talk. doesn't matter how much money you make, skin color, tall or short, sick, job you have. It does not matter. Jesus broke the rules to show love. Everyone is welcome and we believe belongs to the fellowship. Mark 3, New Testament book of Mark 3, 1 through 5, says Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had shriveled hand. In order to accuse him, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. They're trying to trap him again. He told the man with the shriveled hand, stand before us. Then he said to the teachers, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil to save a life or to kill? They were silent. After looking around at them in anger, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts and told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched out his hand and his hand was restored. And I'm grateful for a God that's bigger than any rules that man sets in place. That man puts maybe even the religious view of the world. Jesus sensing the thoughts of the Pharisees showed value to this man. Healing him on the Sabbath was religiously wrong, but they forgot Jesus created the Sabbath. A man needed healing, and Jesus provided it. Did this crippled man feel valued? I believe he did. And Jesus was the one that carried it. John chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. He had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, wore worn out from his journey, Sat down on the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her. Because the disciples had gone in to buy food, they weren't there. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now Jesus, Justin taught on this a couple of weeks ago, so I don't want to belabor the point. But another time, forget the fact that that she was a woman. She was a Samaritan woman. The struggle here is the Hatfields and McCoy's were in modern day of the Bible the way people were in the Jews. And the Gentiles, to the Samaritans. They would just assume kill each other. They would just assume do anything, destroy property, do anything, then show concern or love. Yet Jesus is here doing the very thing loving a Samaritan. Cultural rule broken. If you were to draw a line in the sand... There's not a place, there's not a side to be on to have favor. There's not a place to go. If you draw a line in the sand, there's no place to go to be on the right side because there's no side. Jesus showed that to everybody. It didn't matter who they were. We want to value that. Point number three. Jesus died on the cross for the redemption of all people. Not for races, not for creeds, not for culture. All people. If you're a people, it's for you. It's very simple. But complex in action when you carry value with it. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through eight, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. What a powerful verse. For rarely will someone die for just one person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves His own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Helpless. You understand that? We were helpless in our sin. We had no way. We're getting farther away. We deserve death, hell, and destruction. That's what we deserved. We had a need and Jesus came and fulfilled that for all time, for all people. No, it wasn't free. It's free to you. It was death on a cross. Is what it cost. It's free to us. Grace extended to me. Giving me something that I don't deserve. Grace. John 3.16 For whosoever believes in Him. A familiar verse. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes, whosoever, everybody believes in him will receive everlasting life, eternal life. Everyone. You and I are helpless in our sin. But the love of Jesus has for all of us. We're set free. Treating everyone as an insider. It's a feeling. It's a value. That's at our core. How do we show this value of treating everyone as insiders? We've talked about Jesus showing it. How do we do it? Welcome home. Welcome home. Should be our mantra. Every time that you see someone, you should never think they don't belong here. Never. Accept all people is number one. One of the greatest compliments... That you can share with me. Man, I felt so welcome when I came to your church. Well, for one thing, it's not my church. (laughs) This is God's church. And uh, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I get emails all the time. And I don't have the opportunity to share with you a lot. some of these emails I get. I got an email over the weekend, greetings Pastor, Pastor Lynn, my name is Dave Town. my wife Paige and I visited, visited your church on Easter Sunday, I have to say that I was very impressed with the whole experience, people everywhere serving, what a wonderful church you have, everyone was so nice to us, it's too bad that we live in Florida and we were spending Easter weekend with my wife's family. They just have a couple of miles. They live a couple of miles from your church. We attend First Assembly Church here in Port Ritchie, Florida. I'm actually an elder here at the church. And we'll be up there again at Labor Day looking forward to being part of you. Being a part of your body. Coming to worship on that Sunday. Value. Do they feel it? Is the question. Not do we show it. That ought to be the given. Do we show it ought to be the given. Do they feel it is the question. It's our value. Okay, let me get back on the scripture. Number two, we value everyone. It's not enough just to welcome people into our lives. We need to show the value of Jesus in our life. Do you love people? Anybody ever ask you that? Do you love people? Jesus asked Peter that three times. Do you love me? Because that's the question. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then this is a value that we should have inherent in us. And oftentimes in the culture we live in it becomes exclusive and not inclusive. We can't pick and choose the people that look like us, talk like us, smell like us, political beliefs, sports teams. Even non cowboy fans. Dallas Cowboys. Well we we won't go there. Period. It doesn't matter. People belong. It's Jesus living inside of us that carries that message. Number three, do you want people to know the Jesus that you know? The best we can do is to show the value to people, to walk beside them, to get involved in people's lives. I say it all the time from up here at the end of a message, at the end of a worship service sometimes. Share your story. There's not an argument to have about a story that you have. You can't say, oh, that didn't happen. Yes, it did. It's like saying the feeling. Don't feel that way. Yes, I do. It's not an argument to have. Share your story about Jesus in your life. Doing whatever it takes. Number four, to give your life to Jesus. We cannot give something that we don't have. Maybe that's you today. Maybe it's you. You're wondering, who's this Jesus we keep talking about? Give your life to Jesus. These scripture passages are just several among many, many scriptures about Jesus that cares about you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to live inside of you. He died for you. And we want to carry that message to others. Very simply put, if you have never had the opportunity to give your life to Christ... We've talked about it for about three or four weeks. There is no one in this room that would be surprised or ashamed only we would feel ecstatic and happy and throw a party. For anyone that comes to know Christ for the first time because it's not about an age. It's not just the child that comes. It's like a child that comes. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be cleaned up. You don't have to have all the boxes checked. All you have to do is be willing to come and invite Jesus into your heart and your life.